Anakin, all I want is your love. Love won't save you, Padme. Only my new powers can do that. At what cost? You're a good person. Don't do this. I won't lose you the way I lost my mother. I am becoming more powerful than any Jedi has ever dreamed of. And I'm doing it for you. To protect you. Come away with me. Help me raise our child. Leave everything else behind while we still can. Don't you see? We don't have to run away anymore. I have brought peace to the Republic. I am more powerful than the Chancellor. I, I can overthrow him. And together, you and I can rule the galaxy. Make things the way we want them to be. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 443, Dead Star Dragon, a conversation with Matthew Mercer, or Matthew Stover, where I got that from. Uh, I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the C-3PO to my R2-D2, we've got Carl LeClaire. Oh, Jason, so glad to be back in this classic duo here, and couldn't be more thrilled to bring in... The one and only creator of the Dead Star Dragon from the Revenge of the Sith novel, none other than Mr. Matthew Stover. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you back. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's it's been, uh, we had a really good reaction to you being on the show to talk about uh, Revenge of the Sith and everything like that. And we're like, hey, he seemed to like it. So why don't we ask him to come back and just talk about Star Wars in general? So... That's uh, why why we got you here this time. So thanks for coming back. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Well, you... I had a good time last time. I I hope that this is not going to be a, a contrast. To that. <laughs> I hope so. I hope not either because that would probably reflect poorly on us more than anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we. I mean, you were so gracious last time you were on and and said you'd be happy to come back and. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason and I just celebrated uh, our 10th our year of doing the, the our first episode last week. And I said, what better way to celebrate the start of, of a whole new year than getting probably the coolest guest we've ever had on back? So, <laughs> <laughs> and no, no shade on anyone who's ever been on before. But it, uh, anyone who's been listening to the show long knows how much we love all of your Star Wars work, specifically Revenge of the Sith. And... You know, I've I've heard you talk about other things around Star Wars, both when you were on with us and a few other things you've been on. And I just thought Jason and I were talking the other night and I said, you know, we had this this idea of a topic to do with you. And we we're like, you know what? Let's just get a sense of what Matthew Stover loves about Star Wars, because I think everybody wants to know. <laughs> OK, uh, that's not an overly broad question. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't worry. <laughs> so we have some specific questions for you. And um I, for one, am thrilled, just like super, super stoked to hear uh, what you might have to say 
to the questions we have. Um, so if you're if you're ready to go, I think we should just dive right in. Absolutely. Um, so my my favorite question to ask anyone who is in the Star Wars world is simply, "What's your favorite Star Wars movie and and why?" So I, I would love to know what your favorite Star Wars movie is, and if and if that has possibly changed over the years. Uh, no, my favorite Star Wars movie is still Empire. Love it. Um, always has been, always will be. Although the uh, original theatrical release of A New Hope mm, would be very, very close on that. Um, as I think I may have mentioned the last time. I was here. I I uh, still vividly remember the first time I saw that. I was 15 when it came out. It was the summer of my my 15th year, and um, uh, I uh, a friend of mine, uh, a guy I knew from uh, from school and church, uh, showed up at my door one afternoon and said, "Hey, that that uh, that weird science fiction movie is showing um, down at the Fisher. You want to go?" And I thought, okay, so we went to a matinee and uh, had no idea what we were getting into. Um, the only uh, the only thing I knew about it was that it had uh, Alec Guinness and Peter Cushing. So I was kind of like, well, all right, I'm in. <laughs> and I had also seen one or two uh, commercials on the late night um, uh, our late night, uh, creature feature, um, show, um, out of, I think Terre Haute, Indiana. I, I don't remember for sure right now, but it was, it was one of those, uh, UHF channels because this is back in the, the pre-cable days. Right. And, uh, yeah, I had, I had seen a couple of ads and I had seen, uh, I had seen uh, Luke and Leia uh, swinging across the, the the chasm in the Death Star on the on the the line, and I was like, "Well, this looks like fun," <laughs> and uh, yeah, kind of changed my life. Excellent. And so, uh, you, you said now that Empire is your is your favorite movie, and any particular reason why? It's it's much closer to my general. Uh, um, kind of darker take on reality, I guess. Um, I liked it because because things are so dire mm. in that. Um, there's, I mean, there's still plenty of fun in that film, but but uh, it's just it's darker. It's more complex. It is a little bit less of um, the linear storytelling, which was actually a knock on star Wars when it first came out. Mm. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever gone back through the archives of, uh, of the reviews and, and um, before it became the kind of uh, pop culture phenomenon, uh, people, uh, some critics were saying, well, it's just, it's, it's a kid's movie. It's just uh, this simple, linear, straightforward story. There's no complexity. There's no interesting characters. It's just, you know, spaceships and explosions. Uh, not exactly my reaction no. <laughs> uh, to, the, uh, to the movie. I, I actually uh, 
when I saw the spaceships and the explosions, I thought, well, this is awesome <laughs> first. Right. But, um, but uh, the, the big thing for me watching it the first time was the, um, the scene with Obi-Wan and Luke in, on Tatooine. Um, the, the ways of the Jedi, when you first, you first hear the, the, uh, I can't remember what they call it. The, the Jedi theme mm -hmm. yep. in, uh, John Williams score there. Um, and, uh, and I remember sitting in the, sitting in the theater thinking this is weird because this is a space fantasy with, you know, energy swords and blasters, but there is something, there's something in this that's actually true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm want this, this is, this is great fun. There's also, there's more to it than just the fun. And, uh, yeah. Now again, you know, I was 15. So my, uh, my, uh, standards of, of depth and entertainment weren't, weren't very broad, I would say. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of got me and, uh, um, empire kind of took all that and just added a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a complex plot because you separate the main characters and, and see what they're doing independently of each other. And, and, uh, things get, um, darker and more dangerous and more desperate. And, uh, it, that's kind of, I mean, anybody who's actually read my, my, uh, my other star Wars books or any of my original fiction would know that that darker, more dangerous, more desperate is kind of where I live. It's, it's what I, it's what I like. So, you know, there's so empire that's, that's why of the, of the, the sequel trilogy, mm, Last Jedi. Mm. That's fair. Right? Darker, that's dangerous, more, more, uh, des more desperate. Right. Yeah. That's that's fair. That's very fair. Uh, I like that. You. The funny thing is, is you actually answered our second question in that. Uh, <laughs> in that first answer was how were you introduced to Star Wars and, um, and that that whole story of of going to see it with your friend. Um, there so that's pretty cool too but yeah i'm uh, i'm just i'm curious is there is there something in particular about those more dire stories that that kind of darker side of our reality that that has always just called out to do you, i mean is there anything in particular that you feel like makes makes those stories more compelling because i think that's true for um, so many it, folks they it they they are for me yeah mm -hmm. and um i don't know if that has to do with my own just kind of personal, um, personal nature, uh, or not. But well, when I was, when I was in college, let me put it this way. One of my writing classes, um, that I took in college, uh, my first, my first, uh, uh, exposure to sort of college level, uh, fiction writing, um, my final project when I turned it in, I'm not going to go into details about what it was about, but, but it was something that 
people who read my fiction would recognize as being my kind of thing. And um, my uh, teacher for that particular class, his comment that he, he wrote on the front page of my manuscripts, it was a, it was a collection of three short stories that uh, was our final project for this class. And he, um, <clears throat> he said to me, and I quote, um, you could be a really fine writer someday if you can get over your obsession with violence, madness, and death. <laughs> oh. Wow. And to which I, when I read that comment, I was like, well, first, thanks. <laughs> and second, get over violence, madness, and death. What else is there? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, let's let's go back to Homer with the Odyssey right. and the Iliad. You know, I, I'm I'm I am I am an Iliad guy. Mm. I like the I love the Odyssey, right? Um, but that kind of uh, the Odyssey is almost like an adventure comedy. It's like a it's it's almost a romance. Right. Um, whereas the Iliad is, you know, as everybody knows, it's a, it's a, it's a war story and it's a mm. grim war story, yeah. um, where the, the, uh, the three people that you care most about, um, don't come out very well. No. I mean, uh, you know, Achilles doesn't actually die in the Iliad if memory serves, but you know, he's going to, everybody knows the story, mm. right? But, uh, yeah, but, but the, the coolest character in the Iliad is Hector. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't end well for him. Oh, you know, and and the way he ends makes Achilles look really like a terrible person. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. that so this has me okay, I, I want to ask this in light of everything you were just sharing is um I would say especially my two favorite Star Wars works of yours, obviously, is Revenge of the Sith, but also your first one, Traitor, the, the new Jedi Order book about Jason mm-hmm. Solo, both of which are incredibly dark stories. I, I mean, I would argue Shatterpoint is also a relatively dark story. Um, yeah. But in, in kind of tying this into Empire Strikes Back, Empire Strikes Back is the most dire story, I would say, of all of Star Wars. And yet ends with this really hopeful note that, you know, they're going to go find Han. They're going to be OK. Right. We're going to make it through this. I would argue Revenge of the Sith, part of the beauty to me of that novel is that you do, even though all of this darkness happens, you again, with all those little interludes you have with with essentially the poems about the darkness, it Mm. ends with this beautiful statement of love can ignite the stars. It ends on this really hopeful note. Traitor, it's it's been almost a year since I read Traitor, but I, I feel like the ending of that as well is Jason feels this tremendous hope that he can find his sister and she'll help him find his way more fully back. Maybe I'm misremembering, but all of those, all of these tropes though, is even in the midst of this darkness, you, you, you yourself, just like empire, give us these statements of profound hope. Um, well, I, I try to, I mean, it's, it's not a secret that, that I have, I, I struggle with, with depression and, um, a lot of my, fiction and my taste in fiction has um, has to do with um, talking about what it takes to survive. Mm. 
mm. what it takes to keep fighting when everything seems lost. Um, and, and so I, I try to find, I'm, I'm always looking for the light in the darkness, mm. right? That I, I even, I made a, a, a literal, a literal thing, not just a metaphor in, uh, Luke Skywalker and shadows of Mindor. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a whole thing about, uh, about, uh, uh, you you can't if you can't find the light in the darkness you have to be the light in the darkness right yeah. right right and that's that's kind of that's kind of my thing my 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 thing the the stuff that that moves me is people who feel like they can't possibly survive let alone win but they don't let it stop them from fighting mm. so you know, there I am. There's, there's, there's empire right there. Also yeah. last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Yeah. Um, do we want to move on to the next question, Carl? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, all of this talk of, of, of the characters that move you, Matthew, I feel like is the perfect segue Jason into that next question. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a very, basic general question uh who is your favorite character from star wars and and why so well i think everyone who has read my revenge of the sith would at least intuit that obi-wan is my favorite character you just Um, made so many people smile matthew (laughs) yeah um it's it's true i i will tell you though that my favorite character to write is Mace. Okay. Um, I, I had more fun writing Mace than I did doing anything else in, in my, in my, my four Star Wars books. Um, it, because he's, because he is himself just so hardcore. <laughs> I really like it. Um, it, it. The uh, the main character of my most extensive original series, uh, uh, Harry Michelson, it's also known as Kane, is very much like Mace. It's, he's like the dark side version of Mace, or Mace could be the light side version of Kane. Um, uh, uh, driven, focused. Um, uh, mentally, mentally very, very tough, and um, uh, absolutely committed to um, to uh, solving the problem that that is directly in front of them. Now, Mace. Well, let me put it this way: my my favorite scene from Shatterpoint is the scene after uh, Mace gets the big beat down from the villain from, mm-hmm. from car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's explaining to Nick and actually Depa is explaining to Nick that, that no, I, I, I went into it knowing he was going to, he was going to beat my ass. Yeah. I, I, I knew I couldn't beat him, but I didn't have to beat him. What I had to do was give him the chance to beat me. And know that he beat me, because that's going to uh, 
that manages their relationship, manages their conflict, because he understood something about about cars, car vastors, psychology, mm-hmm. and realized that that if if I don't let him beat me man to man, not let him. If I if he does not beat me man to man, because he doesn't, Mace doesn't let him win. He loses, straight mm-hmm. up loses. Yeah. Right. And uh, uh, but he knows that by giving it everything he has and losing, that's going to satisfy. Um, cars need to uh, be the dominant alpha male mm. of of the environment there and it's going to save it saved mace's life and uh that's that's like my that's my favorite scene in that book because it because for me it was almost a discovery when i was writing it um it just it just struck me that that this is one of the things that makes mace who he is that he can that he sees more deeply into things than that other people do and uh, I, I don't know. I, I just like it. Huh, I, I, I like that. Uh, I like that about him, that yeah. he is willing to, uh, to, um, he's willing to lose mm-hmm. if that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I, not, I have to, I have to say, um, and I, I may have said this last time you were on, but I, I've always had, I've never been a fan of Mace Windu as a character until I read Shatterpoint. Um, well, thank that, you. No, no, thank you. Cause I've always had such, such an issue with him. Um, I just feel like he's, he, in the movies, specifically episodes two and three, he comes across as incredibly arrogant. Um, you know, so set in his ways. So, uh, just apathetic towards Anakin. Um, but even the way you write him in the revenge of the Sith novel, uh, and it, it really, it really makes him such a flesh and blood character, the way he loves the Republic, the way you write about that's, you know, that's his great love is mm-hmm. because he's seen, he has seen what exists. He's in seen the what it's like when, when there's no, there's no civilization. Yes. Right? And that's Shatterpoint is that's, mm-hmm. that's the world in which he, he kind of was drawn out of. Um, I, I, I love that. And, you just mentioning all of that, especially the, that that encounter he has with with Car Vaster in in the book, and forgive me if I asked you last time you were on, and forgive forgive us audience if if I did, but I just want to ask again: in your mind, does Mace Windu lose to the Chancellor in that fight in Episode Three, or does he win? Is is Palpatine just playing with him to draw Anakin in, or does Palpatine actually lose that fight? Well, in it's it's difficult to say, even for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I generally tend to uh, leave questions like that entirely to the in the hands of the readers. Um, I would say that I tried to write it in such a way to as to leave open the possibility that it's a, it's a complete victory for Mace that, that, that Anakin intercedes in and, and changes the outcome. I also, I, I hope it comes across as 
in the way that I wrote uh, Palpatine. Uh, it's also possible. I was trying to leave open the possibility that that Palpatine um, knew, right? Knew that Anakin would break, yeah, and was not that he that he was not afraid. He didn't feel defeated because he had arranged things so that Anakin would be there. And he knew that he could count on Anakin. He'd seen it before in, um, on the bridge of the, uh, of the invisible hand. Yeah. Anakin was, was prepared to, uh, kill to protect him. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah, that's, that's true. I've, I have debated that, but I I have usually come down my myself personally on the side that that Palpatine knew and used that knowledge either to to just draw out the fight long enough for Anakin to get there, or lost it at the right time deliberately for Anakin to see him in a vulnerable state. Well, so, I hope. I hope that I left I left that those possibilities all the possibilities open. I think they did because people yeah. still debate it to this day. Yeah. So that's why I was trying right. to give you a set answer, Matthew. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> we were gonna we I, were gonna I canonize really, that tonight. I really don't do that. <laughs> I can tell you what I was thinking, but but the actual answer mm, that's not up to me. Yeah. yeah. I. I, I just for curiosity's sake, again, building off of this this character stuff, um, you know, you mentioned Obi Wan has his has always been your favorite character, while this oh, yeah. is your favorite trait. Is there any particular Obi Wan moment that really shines for you? And it could be a moment you wrote. It could be a moment, obviously, from Alec Guinness's time. Well, <sighs> okay. There's there's two things that. Um, that I really, really like about Obi-Wan. And one is from Attack of the Clones, where he goes in the bar and the guy goes, you want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> and Obi-Wan just looks at him and says, you don't want to sell me death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I just love that. Because that, that's really cool. You want to go home and rethink, rethink your life. <laughs> My other favorite Obi-Wan moment, which I, I'm, I hesitate to say because, because it is one that I wrote. Um, it's when, when he's facing uh, Grievous hmm. for the first time. And Grievous says, I, I was trained in the Jedi arts by Darth Tyrannus himself. And Obi-Wan says, you mean Dooku? What a coincidence. I trained the man who killed him. <laughs> Such good smack talk. That's just, that's just Obi-Wan. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. That's just, that's just Obi-Wan having a little bit of, a little bit of an up yours to a bad <laughs> that I just, I really enjoyed that, that line. <laughs> It's a good one. Writing it, I like saying it. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That well, that said, I one of my favorite Obi Wan Kenobi moments is one that you wrote, 
which is earlier in the Revenge of the Sith novel, which is when they're brought on board the, you know, that they've been captured by Grievous after mm. Anakin's dispatched Dooku. And again, you give us that, that brilliant way of writing in the book, which this is Obi-Wan. And, and he is this, he's on this like beautiful crystal clear waterfall plane of the force. And he's just so centered in the moment and he feels connected to everything on that deck from the <laughs> smudge on R2D2 to the lightsabers and Grievous's belt. Um, I, you know, as, as a person of it, spirituality has always been a, a, an anchor of my own, my own lived experience. This the way you write that it's so spiritually rich. I it just you know did, did that come from a, an experience yourself? Was it just? Uh, it's a it, you would call it a you would call it a spiritual conviction hmm. of that real power comes as the result of self knowledge. Hmm. It is that that when you really understand yourself, you really know exactly who you are and exactly what your capabilities are. Um, there is very little that you cannot accomplish. Um, and there's a, there is a, it's kind of like, it's, it's, some of it comes from doing martial arts for 20 some odd years. Um, but there, there is a, there is a sense of, but what, what I was trying to get to in Obi Wan is, is an almost uh, Zen extinction of the ego mm. sort of thing, where he, he is completely out of his own way. There is no second thoughts or doubts or uh, hesitation. And that's that's where his his power comes from. Um, it you know it, being completely open to the force, the force can do uh, anything, yeah. except you know save Anakin. Mm. But but again, with in in saving Anakin, Obi Wan's own emotions, his loyalty and and uh, devotion to this man he trained and who is his, the best friend he has ever had um, gets in the way. You know, yeah. it's, uh, um, it's, it's a, it's, it's a star Wars thing. <laughs> I, I, I will say that um, another one of my favorite lines that I wrote for Obi-Wan, I think I, I think I wrote it might've gotten it from the script. Um, is uh, when they're just about to to go in to to do the actual mm. rescue, and um, and Anakin turns to Obi Wan and says says Master, are you ready? And Obi Wan Obi Wan says, Anakin, I believe you should get used to calling me Obi Wan. And and he does, and he's like yeah. Obi Wan, you ready? Yes. Let's go save the chancellor. <laughs> oh, that is yours. That, that is not in the movie. <laughs> oh, that's that. I just, I just, cause you know, that whole, that whole thing there, yeah. the, the, um, the graduation from the master Padawan relationship into 
just partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I, I thought it was a nice moment. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it's, that's a good moment. It is a good moment. It, it, yeah, and uh, you also right. have in that moment the beautiful exchange, the beautiful line from again from Obi Wan, which again, unless this was in a version of the script we didn't see, um, and I know you were privy to some earlier things, um, mm. but you have that moment where Obi Wan says, "There's I, I don't remember verbatim, but essentially, Anakin, there's no other Jedi, there's no other man I'd rather be here with than you." It's just this really beautiful moment where uh, it's like, "Wow, Obi Wan." does love Anakin, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, and it, it just comes, it comes through so crystal clear in that, that brief exchange before they go in. Well, good. <laughs> good. Cause that's what I was going for. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> uh, all right. Getting back to some of our questions. One of the things star Wars is, is obviously known for is these exciting, duels that happen in star wars you know lightsaber duels and all that fun stuff do you have a favorite lightsaber duel do you like lightsaber duels as much as some of us do you know um or or do you dig deeper more into some of the other aspects of of star wars i um i can't the the only lightsaber duel that that really worked for me mm-hmm. is is Luke and Vader in Empire. Okay. Mm. Because Luke is still a novice mm. and Vader is freaking Vader. <laughs> and that um it's uh Luke's uh desperate his desperate attempt to just survive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, fighting Vader is is just it's great. It's 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 really cool. It's more like, in my experience. Now, I've never I've never fought for my life with swords, but I have I have done my share of sword fighting. Uh, you know, with proper protective gear and, and stuff like that, and uh, that that encounter in empire looks to me more like what I imagine a real sword fight is like, you know, especially a sword fight between a skilled swordsman and a not skilled swordsman. Right. Um, The the, the only, the only other, the only other one I can think of that comes close to that is uh, that episode of firefly. Which I think is uh, Shindig, where uh, uh, Malcolm has uh, Captain Mal has to uh, fight the the duelist, the aristocratic duelist. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very cool because Mal has no idea how to fight with a sword, <laughs> but he knows how to fight. Yeah, you know he's he's a tough, committed uh, uh, warrior, and uh, it's a it's a good it's a good fight. Yeah. It's a good fight because it doesn't it doesn't look I like I like fights that look real to me. Mm-hmm. My my favorite my my single favorite movie fight of all time mm-hmm. is James Kahn versus Kathy Bates at the end of Misery. 
I'm, okay. I don't know that movie. <laughs> oh my god! All right, <laughs> you have to see. You're, you're you're a little young for it. If you were my age, you would have seen it. Trust me. That's, that's fair. <laughs> um, it's because neither one of them is an actual fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are there are other things going on. That I'm not going to tell you about because you haven't seen the movie, and I don't do spoilers. But um, <laughs> but when it comes down to it. Their lust to destroy the other person is the only thing that really matters. Mm. They, it, it doesn't matter that neither one of them actually knows how to fight. They're, they're, one of them is going to die. It's, it's, it's a cool, it is a really intense, really cool scene. And it looks, at least to my eyes, it looks very real. Mm. And that's, that's kind of what I like. Yeah. That's fair enough, though. And I, I can, I can kind of, visualize kind of what that is it's very raw and desperate mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uncoordinated and yeah <laughs> okay yeah, yeah I, that, I, I know that's sense. like one that's one big difference i feel like between this the this the prequel movies and the sequel movies is is the lightsaber combat style i know nick gillard and the the prequels was it was it was a dance more than anything else. It doesn't see it. It's so incredibly choreographed. Now, I mean, I love the duel of the fates episode one, oh, duel, well, yeah. but it's a beautifully choreographed fight. Whereas I know well, the Phantom Menace, the, the big duel in Phantom Menace is, is really kind of superb as well yeah. um, from that standpoint. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Who was that? Uh, Ray Park. Yes. Yes. Yep. Right. Um, the, that, that dude move moves like a, like a swordsman, like an honest, mm to God master kendo player. Yeah. Yeah. I know he was a martial artist. I don't remember if it was what martial arts he, he multiple, multiple schools. I know. Yeah. No, he's, he's got a few under his belt. So, and I know, well, I know that it, uh, for the, a lot of the stunt coordinator folks, like the way they want Adam drivers, Kylo Ren to fight for the sequels. They wanted him to be this very raw, powerful fighter where he's really smacking down on people, which we, you know, he, mm-hmm. he does a lot of that to Finn and, and force awakens and even mm-hmm. to Ray and their, their fight on the, the death star remains there. Right. Um, so yeah, just, but no, it, what a great point though, about that empire strikes back duel. It really is just, it, it does kind of stand on its own in that category. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also it's also the first time i mean we see a little bit of lightsaber action in new hope yeah you know just you know we meet again obi-wan yeah. <laughs> um but uh the there i mean just the the bit in uh in empire where um vader has forced luke out onto the gangway mm. and and you know luke manages to sweep aside Vader's sword and it goes right through the railing. Yeah. Right. The, the, the steel, whatever it is, metal railing without even slowing down and just leaves a little gap there. And it's like, because we don't really see that. Yeah. You don't, you don't see, you know, in, in those days, we didn't know that you could use a lightsaber to like cut through the bulkhead of a star destroyer. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Right. This was this was new to us, yeah. and it was and, and uh, you know when you see that I at least I was I was like I was like oh holy shit <laughs> <laughs> that's freaking dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
well, we, we've just spent um, an entire month talking about Star Wars music um, on this past this past month on the show, and you you insinuated earlier, you know that 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 scene in A New Hope when Obi Wan and Luke are talking about the Jedi, and we hear mm-hmm. the Force theme really. I just curious, do do you yourself have a favorite piece of Star Wars music? Um, and that's it. That is it. Yeah, the Force, the, the yeah. Force and Jedi theme. Okay, that's it. And and uh, um, I mean, I actually I have I have several favorite tracks off of the original um, Star Wars uh, soundtrack uh, double album. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, but my my favorite theme is the the Tales of the Jedi mm-hmm. thing. Um, uh, probably my favorite track is if I can recall, if I, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's, but it's the, uh, princess Leia theme and rebel attack. Okay. Um, it's on the, it's on the second disc. I'm pretty okay. sure. And, and, um, that's the, uh, it's, it's, the, it's this lovely, lovely, uh, romantic, kind of theme for Leia that, that, that segues into the battle music. Um, and that, that's probably my single favorite track on, on that album. I have not, I don't have, uh, I don't have the other, uh, soundtrack albums. So that's, that's the one that, you know, jumps out to me. That's fair enough. Well, that's good. That's good. When, when you're writing yourself, like when you're writing a novel, um, and, and, for the, even in any any novel do you are you you may have said this again last time but do you put music on yourself to write to or are you more of a you want it you kind of want silence i used to put music on i i was uh, i was uh really into um taking a a single album that i that i liked um and using it as background music, I would put it on a on a turntable and take the uh, uh, you know the the record uh, switcher. I don't even know what it's called the the arm that that uh, that take just take that off, and so it would be, play the same side of the album over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Because uh, for me, um, if I am if I'm listening to the music, I'm not working. Okay. But I like having the music on and I like it being there so that whenever, whenever I kind of surface out of the story, um, there's, there is music on that I like and, and, uh, but it's not something that's going to hold my attention because I've already heard it 30 times that day. And so I'm, I'm right back into the story. Brilliant. These days, um, yeah, I, I have a, I have a like an iTunes playlist, writing music, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I don't use it that much anymore. Okay. Um, and I've I've got a Spotify um, stuff, but uh, it's it's too distracting. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, if I don't know what's coming next. I find I find myself paying attention to the music mm-hmm. instead of paying attention to my story. So these days I'm mostly silence. Yeah, uh, 
when I was in school and doing homework and stuff, I could only listen to instrumental stuff because anything with lyrics distracted me and I, I would lose focus and I couldn't do my stuff. So I, I, I understand that. So I, I do listen. I do have a lot of like, you know, classical music and soundtrack scores and things like that, that I've listened to a ton. So if I need to zone out, I can just put that on and listen to it. Or if I want to just really enjoy it, I can just tune back in and enjoy what I'm listening to there. But, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I had a, I had one of my playlists um, is all uh, Glenn Gould um, doing Bach and Beethoven mm-hmm. um, and all. And, and I don't know if you know who, I don't know if you know who he was. Um, uh, it's a, a Titanic genius of the piano. Okay. Uh, and okay. so I, I listened to that. I listened the hell out of that. But, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, these days, like I said, mostly silence. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, well, you know, this is something you've, uh, you, you've talked about a couple of times and in, in, in the past, but I know you had, uh, you did have, was it one meeting with George Lucas when you were working? Yes. On, was it, yeah. was it, was one, it, it was one afternoon. We, we, okay. we hung out and talked for two and a half or three hours. Okay. And w- were you at Skywalker ranch for that conversation? Yes. Oof. That's so cool. Yeah. I've been to Skywalker <laughs> ranch three or four times. Oh. Was out there for a story conference for New Jedi Order. Mm. Okay. Uh, was out there again um, while I was working on Shatterpoint uh, for again for a story conference with the uh, Lucasfilm people and uh, uh, Stephen Barnes um, because uh, they they were they were they wanted to do a a series of Clone Wars novels that were, um, uh, that would be, uh, that would be kind of analogous to the new Jedi order. Okay. They wanted to do a kind of a unified narrative of the Clone Wars. And so we, we got together cause I, cause, uh, Shatterpoint was the first mm-hmm. and, um, I'm pretty sure that Steve Barnes's book was the second, um, the Cestus Deception. I think I, I've got. I don't remember if it's, he did. That. No, but, Cestus Deception was. Isn't that Alan Dean Foster? Maybe it is. I I can't. I, I can't. I can't remember now. I'm. Himself, but I can't. He's gonna. It. So. He's <laughs> gonna shoot me if for not remembering the name of his book. Uh, Steve boy, Barnes honestly, was Cestus Deception. It was Cestus. It was Cestus. Yep, just looked okay. it up. Okay. Yeah, Kit oh, Fisto's uh, on it, Jason. Foster was approaching Storm, I think. Yes, yes that's yeah, the, that, that's yeah. the immediate prequel to um, Attack of the Clones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Cestus Deception. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah. So was out there. Was out there for that. Was out there for. I guess I was. I was there three times for New Jedi Order, Clone Wars, and then Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Uh, did not. Uh, Luke Skywalker in the Shadows of Mindor apparently did not require a, a story <laughs> conference because it's a standalone story. Right. That that makes sense. That track. Um, did you enjoy your your time with George Lucas? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's 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 a really smart guy. Um, I didn't get through. I only got through about a third of the questions I had for him. Wow. 
because he has uh, there is so much lore just in his brain um, that as far as I know has not made it out into any kind of uh, any kind of public um, representation um, there there was it was just there was a lot of stuff mm. uh, they uh, uh, they taped the the conversation and, uh, had somebody, I don't know if it was in New York or, or out there at Skywalker, uh, type up a transcript for me so that I could, I could search through it and not have to re-listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Do you still have that transcript? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably on one of my previous computers. Got it. That's yeah. There, my, yeah. I, I use laptops and, uh, yeah. and, uh, I, I still have them all. Hmm. Wow. Um, well, I We're both jealous because <laughs> Skywalker Ranch and George Lucas at the same time is just uh, Skywalker Ranch is really cool. <laughs> I will tell you, it is really, really cool. <laughs> um, there, there, it was. It was kind of. I mean, it's kind of weird too because it was at the time it was. It was the the headquarters of Industrial Light and Magic and his home. Mm. So they were they're like they they gave me the tour and stuff like that. They walked us through the tour and they're like, yeah, you can't go up those stairs. If you get above that landing, they're going to call security and you'll be escorted off the property. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no problem. <laughs> it's funny you say that because we had a poll that we're going to talk about on our next episode where we basically, it was a, would you rather question? And we asked people, would you rather spend a day exploring Skywalker ranch or have lunch with George Lucas? And you got to do both at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. true. I will also say that the, uh, the cafeteria um, at the Skywalker ranch was amazing. (laughs) The food, the food there was really good. I know they grow a lot of their own food up there too, which yeah. is really yeah. Well, cool. at, the, at the time it was mostly uh, it was mostly uh, vineyard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know if, if I don't know how things are now because it's yeah. been twenty years almost since I was there. So no, well, no, fifteen mm. for Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this question. So if not, I that's totally fine. Um, but was there ever a Star Wars story? I think you'd mentioned this on another uh, another show you had been on. I think you mentioned there was, you always wanted to write a story about Qui-Gon and kind of his own little force exploration. And maybe I'm misremembering, but was there ever uh, a story you wanted to write that you didn't get to? There, there was, but it wasn't that. Okay. Um, I actually um, was going to. I, I had planned to pitch a an ongoing project to uh, to Lucas Books um, to follow up uh, Luke Skywalker in the Shadows of Mindor. Um. What I wanted to do, what I wanted to do was, um, was, 
a thing I was I was calling in my head uh, the Dark Side War, mm-hmm. where which was uh, was going to take uh, Nick Rostu and Aona Cantor from um, from Luke Skywalker and Shadows of Mindor and have them hunting uh, Dark Side Force users. Mm-hmm. Put together like a team of mercenaries, like a like a hit squad, to take out um, take out dangerous darksiders, like they do with uh, what's his name, Black Hole. Mm-hmm. In, yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Luke Skywalker. Um, that that was that was my sort of internal plan. Never, I never spoke about it with them. Um, I was uh, was pretty ill while I was working on that story, um, had been for some time. And, uh, when I was, when I finished it, when I finally turned it in, um, I was, I was too sick to undertake a, a, a project like that. And, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it, it is the way it is, but they, they might not have gone for it and, in the first place, but you know, in those days there were no, there was no sequel trilogy. Right. 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 So they were looking around for, for something to do. And I was, I was like, well, how about, how about a hit squad going after bad guys? <laughs> but, uh, like I said, and, uh, never, uh, never even got a chance to pitch it because I just was not up to actually writing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. Uh, yeah. Well, I know we could keep you here all night, but we we just, we're, we're going to window winnow our questions down to just a couple left, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, but it, are there any particular themes in Star Wars that you felt were important to to bring into your own Star Wars work, or even any of your other fiction works um, that that you feel like are powerful themes that are worth telling again? Hmm. Hmm. That's one you probably should have emailed. Sorry me, about that. Because <laughs> this is going to take a little bit of thought. Um, most of, let me put it this way. I will say that uh, most of the the ideas I had about Star Wars that I thought were interesting enough to to put in a book and and disseminate, um, I've already done. Okay, right. Yeah. I I, I kind of uh, that's that that that's 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 all I had. I think uh, the only thing the only thing that I um, would uh, go back to that I do go back to is that that concept I was talking about um, I was talking about earlier, which is the um, self-knowledge is the path to power, um, which is a, it's a big thing in star Wars and it's a big thing in, in my writing. I mean, even my, my grown up characters, because I really don't do, I really don't do young adult, stuff the youngest the youngest protagonist i've ever written was jason solo who was okay 20 yeah at the time um anyway uh but 
but uh, for my characters, at least, um, they never stop discovering things about themselves. Mm-hmm. They 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 keep on learning, um, and and I hope coming to a, a deeper and more interesting understanding of themselves and their place in the universe um, as they as they go along, and it's often. Um, you know, uh, when they do something that is, you know, off the wall, uh, it, they, they sort of, over time, they come to an understanding, okay, well, uh, I get why I did that now. Um, I, I know, I know that now I know I'm the kind of person who does that sort of thing, which means I also might do this. And, you know, that's, that's, but, um, but the real thing is, is that, uh, uh, that, that connection, um, because self-knowledge also feeds your connection with the force, Mm -hmm. right? You, you, you have to understand yourself before you can, before you can use the force in a positive manner. And, um, that's true even in the less uh, magical reality that we live in. Mm. Uh, there are, well, uh, Stephen Barnes, who I was talking about earlier, uh, uh, is really, really big on, for example, um, uh, breath control exercises, um, which is, a, which is uh, an amazing thing. If you've, if you've never tried it, um, you know, controlled breathing, mindfulness, meditation, stuff like that, you really feel, you, you feel, uh, connected to a wider world. If, if, uh, if that's Obi-Wan's phrase, um, uh, so yeah, that, that, that kind of stuff, that, that sort of, uh, contemplative, meditative path of self-knowledge and uh, understanding your your connection to other living things and to the 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 wider universe um yeah that's a that's that's a big part of star wars and and uh, i think it's a it's a useful part of uh regular daily life definitely is yeah and it's something that everyone has connection point to in some way everyone sort of has a realization at some point about themselves uh or finds themselves connected to something or someone else mm-hmm. outside of themselves in a way that they hadn't before and and so it's a it's a it's a recurring theme for sure and one yeah. that i think everyone finds a way to connect to somehow some way um which makes it a good storytelling mm-hmm. okay. some people actually connect to works of fiction. Mm. Yeah. You know, they, they, they feel like, uh, there, there's a meaning there that speaks to them personally and tells them something about themselves. And then they can also, they also feel like they understand something about the work. And I'm, and again, I'm speaking specifically of star Wars, mm-hmm. but also, you know, any, any, uh, great work of art, a great piece of music, uh, um, you know, a movie, a book, whatever. 
a poem. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. And I love the way you phrase that about how self-knowledge too is, is kind of in, in a never ending path. Right. You know, yeah. I, and I think, I mean, Jason and I both have always loved it's It's one of our favorite moments in Star Wars, which is Luke's I am a Jedi like my father before me moment. Right. You know, at the end of Return of the Jedi, it's this it's this statement of self-identity. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of Star Wars fans were really upset with the Luke Skywalker we got in Last Jedi, you know, because they saw some big disconnect between who he was there and who he was at the end of Return of the Jedi. And I think it's this. Sta- I don't see that. Yeah. And, and neither do I. Right. I, mean, I think it's because people always I think that's the danger of, of sometimes with myths is we tend to always think of myths is somehow static but they're meant to be dynamic right you know it's as if luke made this progress okay he's done he never has to go back whereas i think last jedi was pushing the envelope of no part of being a hero is you have to rediscover what it means to be a hero as you get older (laughs) you know right right i could not i could not agree with that more and and um you know moving away from the old ways is kind of the moral of the story of the entire prequel trilogy, mm. right? Uh, you, you have to, you have to, you have to let it go and deal with what's now rather than trying to hang on to what used to be. And, and Luke has to learn that again uh, in the last Jedi. Yeah. Matthew just so. blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so awesome. Um, Jason, why don't, why don't we hit him with that, that one big last question that is super, super broad, but just so wow. curious where, where, where you might take us with it, Matthew. Uh, this is basically our way of saying, is there anything else that you want to talk about on this episode? Um, <laughs> because, uh, is there something, uh, that about Star Wars that you love the most? Like, is there, there's one aspect of it that is your favorite um, you know, and th- like I said, it is a very broad question, but basically is our way of saying, is there anything else you want to talk about? So- <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Uh, well, what I love the most, I guess what I love the most about Star Wars is how um, is how kind of I don't, I don't have a I don't have a really good word for this. Um, it is how it can be almost all things to all people mm. that that uh, people who are looking, especially you know, I'm I'm an expanded universe guy, so. Yeah. You know, you, you go to the expanded universe and Star Wars can be anything. Right. Mm. And but it still feels like it is part of one big thing mm. that you are you're you're participating in the big thing every time you look at one of the small things. And that goes down to, you know, individual comic books and and stuff like that. Not even the series, but yeah. issues. You know, there there are there are ways in which you're touching something larger than yourself, and it is it is uh, more complicated 
then you can actually directly perceive. It's like the the old uh, the old parable about the the five blind men and the elephant. Mm-hmm. Right. You know this one, right? I don't oh, have to yes. go through it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, the the point is that um, that Star Wars at at its best, I think, shows us. Uh, little pieces of things that imply something much, much larger mm. and uh, potentially uh, more interesting. And, um, and so we, we, everybody has their own individual relationship with Star Wars. Yes. It, it means something different to each fan. And some people, I think, lose sight of that and, want to insist in an almost religious dogma sort of way that you have to agree with um, what they think. And, but Star Wars, it doesn't support that. It doesn't support that. It's, it's really, it's really there to, to, for you to get into and participate in imaginatively um, in your own way and like what you like and, and, you know, sure, I can try to persuade you to like the things that I like about it, but, you know, you, there, there aren't, there aren't many takes on Star Wars in fandom, at least not in, in organized fandom that I think are just flat wrong. Mm. They're really, I, I, I've come across it in a few places, but, uh, but the people who are just wrong, um, drift away. And so, yeah, so that's, that's what I like about it. It's, it's, it's this kind of giant, glorious, uh, mess. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to put that. Yeah. And I think possibly the f- my favorite answer that we've had to that question now. So, <laughs> uh, so thank you very much, Matthew. For well, it's my pleasure, and for being on this episode. So, thank you very much again. It was it was again a pleasure. Excellent. Uh, yeah, if you if you ask fun questions, you get fun answers. <laughs> All well, right. Then, so, Carl, we got to go back to the drawing board and think yes. up some more fun. Questions. I know. <laughs> I just yeah, I just appreciate your your take as a, a storyteller and and how you know and how that relates to the experience of Star Wars. I think you have a unique standing that so many of us don't. Not only because of the fact you've written Star Wars, but you're also a storyteller yourself by trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's who you are. And Star Wars, like you just so beautifully put, is this massive beautiful mess if you will that means so much to so many people and Mm -hmm. um yeah i i I think yeah i mean it just such a such an honor to have you back (laughs) to have your incredibly uh i I really appreciate you you reaching out to do this this has been great believe me pleasure was all ours (laughs) Uh, and if if uh, people who've been listening to this want to, you know, uh, reach out or connect with you in in any way. Is there a way that people can can follow what you're you're doing? Or, or just- uh, I my only real social media presence that matters is uh, on Twitter, which is I'm at uh, M W Stover. Yeah, 
you probably you know, folks are going to um, <laughs> see us uh, mentioning you a lot over the years. Yeah. So, um, yeah. there, but that's that's where if there are any updates from my life, they show up there. Excellent. Great. Now, just a fun little class caveat question: Are you aware of the fact on Twitter there is a Revenge of the Sith novel handle? That just puts quotes out from your novel like every day. I, I have seen that. Yeah. Yes. I, I uh, occasionally some people that I follow will uh, will quote treat, tweet yes. it something. Yeah, I've seen it. The two folks that started it, which I had no idea that they had. Rotspot. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, the, the two folks that started it are two really wonderful, creative people. And I was like, I didn't even know you all started this. So, um, <laughs> it, it, yeah. So it. it the that that book is like it's like studying scripture in my opinion because it's not not the same as someone who did study scripture i don't mean to say that no, you're same. just talking about but no i mean it's it's there's just such a richness to it and uh you know talk about a microcosm that that speaks to the macro <laughs> I, I feel like your revenge of the sith novel is the perfect model of that well thank you very much thank you for writing it and thank you for <laughs> making Star Wars even better than it already was. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. All right. Um, well, Carl, if uh, people want to weigh in on anything we discussed in this episode or just uh, get in contact with us, where can people do that for the Wampus Lair? Yes, we're on Twitter as well at, uh, at Wampus Lair. You can follow us on Instagram at the Wampus Lair, and you can always email us at wampuslairpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Uh, well, Matthew, thank you again so much for coming back and uh, and just come along for the ride on this episode. So we really do appreciate Thanks. it. Here. It's been fun. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, anything else, Carl, before we close down this episode? I am all set. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 443. That started a conversation with Matthew Stover uh, for Carl. Matthew, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair. Mm-hmm.